When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to another edition of the Giants huddle podcast. I'm John Schmuck. It's all brought to you by PSCNG, energy efficiency for game time and anytime. Visit PSEG.com slash Giants for discounts, rebates, and home energy assessments. And this week's Giants huddle is the B reporter for The Athletic for the New York Football Giants, Dan Duggan. Dan, what's going on, man? Good to see you. Good to see you, John. Feels like we were, you know, just getting back from uh, Philadelphia a couple weeks ago, and now we're already turning the page to the offseason. Happens fast, huh? Yeah, it, it goes fast. There really is no offseason anymore. And even though the Combine's coming, which is going to be a lot of draft talk, Dan, I have a feeling most of the discussion out there around the Giants is going to be around free agency. We've seen all the news over the past week or so with reports, conjecture, Daniel Jones <laughs> switching agents, uh, how does that affect Saquon? Why don't you kind of put that into a little package for me, and then we'll dive into it a little bit deeper. Yeah, all right. I mean, it's where to begin. Um, but yeah, so it's definitely, you know, I think all along we knew this was going to be a very interesting offseason. The fact that you had Saquon and Daniel Jones hitting for agency at the same time, if you just had one of them, it really wouldn't be that complicated because you know you have the tag in your back pocket and you hope to work out a long-term deal. If you don't, you tag them. Um, the fact that you kind of have these dual negotiations with, High, you know, high stakes and you know, high-profile players makes it really interesting. So, I mean, I guess we'll start with Daniel Jones. I mean, he's he's definitely priority one A, and, and Joe Shane hasn't run from that fact. You know, it's the quarterback, so they want to get a deal done with him. So, I don't need to tell you the dates, but obviously March seventh is when the franchise tag deadline, um, you know, kicks in. So they have to get a long-term deal done by then, or you have to assume they'll tag him. They're not going to just like let him test the marker. You can't put that position uh, in limbo like that. So. You know, March 7th is going to be a huge date. We're going to be, you know, speaking about that a lot over the next, you know, week and a half, hour long uh, until we get to that point. But so with Daniel Jones, if they get something done with him, then it makes the Saquon Barkley situation simpler because you still will have the tag at their disposal. The problem really becomes if they can't get a long-term deal with Daniel Jones done and they have to tag him, now what do you do with Saquon? Because then it's either he accepts your offer or he says, you know what, there's 31 other teams out there. Well, let me see what I can find elsewhere. So that's where I think it's really interesting. Daniel Jones is the first domino. And if that falls, I think it's you know kind of a clean process. If they can't work something out with him, they have to tag him. That's when things get a little spicier. Well, what's your feel based on everything you're reporting, what you're hearing, the chances that they can get something done long-term with Daniel before that tag deadline? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. Because obviously, as you mentioned, you change agents. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to even get a feel for you know where things stand. You know, numbers have been thrown around. And I will say this, like, I think people overreact to these things because let's just, you know, look at it in a vacuum. I mean, the Giants have the tag, as we said, in their back pocket. That's $32 million. So if Daniel Jones wants to get, let's just say 38, like that might be like where both sides end up being comfortable. He can't come in at 38. He has to come in high. So if, you know, the $45 million figure that's out there, I mean, look at Kyla Murray, his draft class hasn't won any playoff games. I mean, obviously his stats may have been better, but, you know, you could look at him if you're Daniel Jones and say, 
he's getting 46 million a year. Why am I settling for, you know, 10 less than him or eight less than him? So if you start there, the Giants are starting at the other end. And again, it's a negotiation. You hope to meet somewhere in the middle. And of course, you know, it's not just the average annual value. You got the how long is it, which I think is going to be interesting with Jones more than some other guys. I think for the team, you would like it to be a long-term deal because then you can spread the cap charges around. But then how long are you actually committing to him? Because there might be a feeling, let's get give ourselves an out here in a year or two. And if you do a long, long five-year deal, usually you're you know, pretty much locked in for three years. So they have to weigh that as well. So uh, where do I think today, how do I think this plays out? Again, it's, it's really kind of in the dark because, again, I couldn't even talk to his agents if I wanted to. We just found out today who they actually are uh, as we're recording this. But I think it probably gets, ends in a tag. And, and then, listen, the tag isn't binding. You know, they could still work out a deal. And I think really what happens, you know, deadlines always drive business in this league. And if you recall a couple of years ago, Leonard Williams got tagged for a second time, and then they came to a long-term agreement like a week later, right when free agency was about to start or, you know, the tampering period started, whatever it may be, that might be the real deadline. You know, Jones might say, yeah, let's just do the tag. And then when the Giants are sitting there like, hey, we have $32 million of our cap space tied up in one guy, maybe we'll, you know, more willing to give a little bit on whatever the hangup is and maybe to get that deal done like the Monday that free agency, you know, unofficially starts, maybe something like that. But I think at the tag deadline, I think he ends up getting tagged. Yeah, you know, you mentioned deal length, and I do think that's interesting, right? I feel like almost three years gives the player another chance to cash in. It also gives the team a chance to get out if it's not working the way they want. I almost kind of feel like that. That kind of feels like the sweet spot to me. Maybe it's a five-year deal and you can get out after three without it killing your cap. You know, that's something you can look at. I, I, I think there probably is a way to go here because we're going to see this quarterback market reset, right? You have Lamar coming up. You have Herbert coming up. You have Burrow coming up. That's, I think these players are, and we saw Dak Prescott do this too, and he's with the same agency group where he wanted the short-term deal so then he could cash in again later. But it also works in the team's favor too, to your point. Yeah, no, I think, and I think also we all have to train ourselves not to get sticker shock here because the numbers sound so big, but we have to realize where this cap is going. You know, COVID is over. The new TV deals are kicking in. Like, it's going to be astronomical. Like, Wait till you see what guys like Herbert and Burrow get this offseason and whatever happens with Lamar. I mean, they're going to blow whatever Daniel Jones ends up at out of the water. So, you know, you might si- say he signs it first. You say, oh, my gosh, he's the ninth highest paid quarterback. Like two or three weeks later, he might be the 13th or 14th, you know, yeah. depending on how other deals that get done. I think the interesting one that'll um, to kind of gauge, and it could happen before Jones, is Derek Carr. Is Great he point. the guy who, like, kind of finally establishes a middle class? Because there isn't one. If you're a quarterback, you're either like a, a veteran retread, a rookie, or, you know, a guy at the top of the market. Like, is there is there a sweet spot there? And, and could Derek Carr establish that? Because obviously he was due 40 in Vegas. They didn't want to pay him that. Now he's doing his little tour. If he gets like 30, then you would feel like that probably hurts Daniel Jones' leverage. Because like, hey, if you go test the market, there isn't probably going to be some huge deal. If Derek Carr gets 40 somewhere else, you say like, listen, supply and demand, people are going to pay for quality quarterbacks. So that'd be fascinating. Now we don't know if that will work out. Probably won't work out before the Giants have to make a decision. But I feel like he'd be an interesting trial balloon just to see what he gets on the open market yeah 100 i'm with you on that and i guess the last thing i'll ask you about daniel before we head over to saquon then is from a team building perspective right we know once you pay the quarterback you have to make other sacrifices right the chiefs pay patrick Mahomes, they have to let tyree kill go so they could build other parts of the team so i i guess the question is once you pay him then what's your team building strategy do you then have to rely on the draft much like the chiefs did this year right they had so many rookies on rookie deals playing for them or do you say well look if we get daniel here we want to exactly see what he can do so we 
have to go in and invest in a big receiver. So does it make sense to then trade your 25th pick and maybe not the best draft class to get a really good wide receiver to see mm-hmm. exactly how good Daniel can be? I, I see both sides of the approach there. Yeah, no, and it's fascinating. They're in such a sticky spot. You would feel so much better if you had like one more year on his rookie deal. And yeah. not to go Heinz, I think not. I think declining the fifth year option was the right choice, but it sure would be nice to have that. There would still be, you know, what was it, 22 million. It wouldn't be chump change, but it'd be nice if they had one more year to kind of build around him and get a, you know, a full evaluation. Like this is definitely the guy. Um, so they're kind of having to, you know, obviously go on a projection here. That's why I think the tag is, would be bad news for the Giants because you're just not gonna have a lot of space to go sign because you don't you don't have to just get Daniel Jones weapon. You have to upgrade that defense too, and that's gonna cost money too. You can't draft all of these guys and expect them to be impact players. Uh, I think the draft does need to be still the avenue, even if you you know resign Daniel Jones to a big contract. It may be tempting to say let's go trade and do our Stephon Diggs trade because we're gonna make Bills parallels you know till the end of time here as long as Joe Shane's in office. But I think they need to find their Justin Jefferson again. Way easier said than done, but like they're in that point. Like if you can get a stud wide receiver and have him in his rookie contract, that's where the bargain is. You know, you, you, there's the talk with Buffalo saying how, like, you know, they had Jamar Chase and, and all these guys, because, they, you know, they're drafting a lot earlier than 25. Don't get me wrong. It's hard to get that guy there. But it, I think that's where they need to focus. I don't think they can go all in and say, like, we're just, like, giving up draft picks. I think they have too many holes, I think. Um, but that's where it gets, the, as you mentioned, with the quarterback paying him top dollar, that's where it gets a little sticky because, yeah, you have to compromise other places. So, really, if you're going to pay Daniel Jones that much money, he needs to raise his level. I mean, I think we saw him take a big jump. In year one of this Brian Dable, Mike Kafka offense, the good news, Kafka being back. Now you need to see another jump. And another like it needs to he needs to keep going up. You know, it can't just be that can't be the best we're gonna see of him. He needs to keep growing and developing. And obviously, if they give the guy, you know, 150, 200 million dollars, they're doing so believing that that'll be the case. So they have to trust their evaluation and hope they're right. No, I'm with you, by the way. I think the draft is, is kind of how you have to do it. And you hope you hit on these picks late in, in, in the first round, second round. And I hope you can find some from gems in there, which in wide receiver, I think history shows that you can. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. All right, let's go to Saquon. Let's assuming you can't tag him, right? Let's say you have to tag Jones and you can't tag Saquon. I think it's an interesting play and in how that's going to work out. It's such a deep running back market, Dan. There are so many good free agent running backs, and there are so many good running backs in this draft. I could argue there's five or six starting running backs day one out of this draft class if, if, if you look at the guys coming out. So how do you think that impacts the market in free agency? Will he go out there and be able to find a, you know, not maybe not even a McCaffrey contract, but, you know, a $14 million contract? How do you think that market's going to dictate what Saquon eventually signs for? No, and I think that's that's certainly the case. You look, yeah, it's not usually this strong of a veteran uh, running back class. I mean, you could, you could say he's not even the best uh, back in the market based on what Josh Jacobs just did last year in Vegas, and he's obviously hitting the market. And you got, you know, Miles Sanders, you have all these guys, a quality running, David Montgomery, I could go down the list, that you could say, like, is it worth paying one of these guys, like you said, $14 million a year, or can you get somebody else for 8 or 10 And then you also have some teams that just won't pay that much for running back, period, because they'll get the guys in the draft, as you mentioned, and just run them into the ground for four or five years and move on. So, no, um, he's in a very interesting spot. Like, what his market will be um, will be fascinating because, you know, he's a big name. He's, you know, he's obviously produced at a really high level, at least in two of his seasons when he's been fully healthy. Um, but is there going to be that – like, I don't think there's going to be a Christian McCaffrey-type offer out there if he hits the free agent market. But he's also just a unique guy. How often does a guy with his star power 
hit the market, you know, assuming he does, let's just play it out that that's how it breaks down. It's I'm, I'm struggling to think of a parallel, like who is kind of, you know, been a similar profile player who just hits free agency. Like, I feel like that's, that's sort of a rarity. So um, it'll be interesting if that is how it plays out. Do you, do you, do you think the giants, if they are able to would tag Saquon? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the tag, like I said earlier, I think it's worse for the giants to tag Daniel Jones. I mean, listen, if Daniel Jones, you'd rather have a long-term deal, but $32 million in your pocket, not a bad outcome. I think for Saquon, it's better for the giants and worse for him because I mean, you know, there's been reports and, you know, I can say I've heard the same things that it was, you know, the, the offer at the buy was in a $12 million year range, maybe 12 months some change. So then you're talking the tag at 10.1, you're getting less than that average value would have been. And you're getting none of the long-term security that would have come with that. So for him, that's like really a worst case outcome. I mean, carrying $10 million on your cap for one year for running back, not ideal, but it, you know, for the team, it's like, if you bring Daniel Jones back, it'd be nice to have Saquon with him. And, you know, it's just kind of, it's a tough part for him but make him prove it again. Like this was obviously a big year for him. You know, he had to prove that he could stay healthy, prove that he could be productive again. He was. So then to really not truly cash in off of that, that'd be a tough pill to swallow if I'm him. And so if you're the team, you have to also factor that in. Like, is it going to hurt some, some relations? I mean, that's just part of the tag. And I mean, I think they're all, they're all professionals. They would deal with it, but I, I don't think that's the outcome. Saquon one. I think if you're the team though, and you are able to get something done with Daniel Jones before the tag deadline, that makes you have a much harder line with Saquon. Because like, listen, Pat, we'll just tag you. If you don't want to meet the, you know, again, whatever it is, let's just say it's three years, you know, 12 million per, something like that. If you don't want that, then we'll just tag you for 10. That might make Saquon say, hey, you know what, actually that, that offer you had doesn't look so bad anymore. Yeah, and then I guess I'll go back to the team building part of this, right? You want to get as much around Daniel as possible. And if you get those two guys done, that's a big portion of what you can send spend in the salary cap. You're just not going to have a lot of money. There's not a bunch of wide receivers, quite frankly, that are free agents that are really that valuable. And the ones that are, since there aren't many, you're going to get overpaid. So what's your priority, Dan? And how do you go about trying to build things around Daniel? Because your argument is, look, Daniel's numbers didn't jump off the page, but because it, they didn't, because there wasn't enough around them for him to make explosive plays. Right. So then what do you do to allow his talent to shine through so he is plays for a guy that you might pay you know 35 plus million or whatever the number ends up being yeah is it protection on the interior offensive line where do you get the receiver how do you prioritize it how do you go about it what's your thoughts on that yeah well so i think that point before i get into like the positions is that's why long-term deals are so imperative i think for the team as far as the team building because if you can get like, you can get daniel and saquon without using the tag that's obviously the best case scenario because listen you know it does. It's not great to kick cap down the road, but I think you start seeing how, let's just say, a team like Philly has done it and it's worked out pretty well for them. I mean, the, you know, the, the bill comes due eventually, but again, as I talked earlier, that cap is going to skyrocket. So a dollar today is not worth a dollar tomorrow. So I think if they can get both those guys in long-term deals, kind of backload them, which is, you know, it's not always my preferable route, but I'm kind of coming around on it again with the way the cap is going to go up and the way the Giants books are. They don't have a bunch of big contracts. Um, you know, signed for the future. So it might be the exception to do this year. So that way you can build around those two guys and get them both back on long-term deals, really um, lower that year one cap. It that does give you some flexibility. So yeah, then it's, I mean, definitely they need to find a way to get a wide receiver. And I don't know that there's a number one wide receiver available. Obviously in free agency, I don't see one. The trade option is, is probably the one, um, you know, Brandon Ayuk or T Higgins, someone like that. But then you're giving up a lot and you have to, is he going to have, you know, an A.J. Brown type impact, a Tyreek Hill type impact on your team. I don't know that those two guys would. Um, so then then you say, oh, you just take one of 25 is going to be that guy. So that's a tough one. <laughs> the wide receiver one debate is tough. And that's why I did a 10-step offseason plan. And again, I, we, like I said, we always look back to what they did in Buffalo. 
I could think it'd be more like the year before they trade for Diggs, where they signed like the Cole Beasley's and John Browns. Like get a couple middle class wide receivers. At least it's going to make your overall group better, but it's not going to give that one bona fide alpha wide receiver, which you know they certainly could use. But then, so then you, if you're not going to spend it all wide receiver, do you spend a little on interior offensive line? But I really think defense is the spot where they're going to need to invest in because you know obviously that linebacking core was was very weak, and there's some guys out there I think you could fill in for not crazy money that would just upgrade that group. A cornerback's position that needs to, you know, have some investment. We talked about the free agency. We haven't even talked about Julian Love. Another guy is going to command a few bucks and was, you know, really valuable. So you'd like to bring him back, but he's obviously third in the pecking order. We again, we haven't really discussed him, not just on this podcast, but in general. You know, he's really taking a backseat to these other two guys. So um, there's a lot of a lot of balls in the air for Joe Shane. Like, I don't envy him this offseason. He's got cap space, you know, as he didn't last year. But now he's got to figure out how to use it, and it's not going to be a, a simple puzzle to put together. Hey, Giant fans, take your fans to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. No, look, and this is not easy. I mean, you're 100% right, man. Like, these are tough decisions. You got to manage the cap. You're right. The cap's going up. But I think you feel better about backloading the contracts for the guys you know a lot about too. You know, they know about Daniel. They know about Saquon. So you probably feel more confident of backing some of that money up, but let's jump to the defense. I think corner is probably still your number one spot, Dan, or do you have middle linebacker as the number one spot? I, I think I'm probably the middle linebacker. Cause I just feel like that position is really, you know, I, you know, but Martinez was obviously a sort of a brief respite at that position, but for a long time here, this, this organization just has not had great inside linebacker play. And I think you kind of get what you pay for. So I think it's time to, um, you know, make an investment there. I don't think they need to get, you know, Tremaine Edmonds and top, top market money, but there's some guys in that middle class. that think you can get a quality middle linebacker for a reasonable rate. I think that's a position that just absolutely needs to be addressed. You can't keep signing guys off the street or using day three picks and trying to get through a season like that. I don't think that's going to work out. Uh, but no, cornerback for sure, because obviously you have Dory Jackson where he's in the last year of his deal. I think he's a guy they just just like play it out. Like, I don't think they need to do anything crazy, extend him or restructure. Like, it's a big cap hit, but you can you can probably stomach it. I'm not sure they want to extend him because he's got the injury history. Like, let's just play that out. So you know, you have one quality corner, but the same thing, you know, like you need to upgrade that other spot, especially in Wink's defense where corner is, you know, so vitally important. Like, I, I, I'm still convinced that, if things had worked out differently and Sauce Gardner was there, they would have run to the podium with the number five pick for him last year. I think you're probably um, right about that, Dan. Yeah. And so now I don't think, again, it's not those guys don't come along too often. Now you're picking 25, but that's another position, even in the first round, doesn't have to be wide receiver. I think if the cornerback market breaks that way, that could be a spot. And I think Joe Shane is going to use premium picks on premium positions. So I think, you know, wide receiver, cornerback, obviously, you know, you're not taking a, a offensive tackle, hopefully for many, many years here. But, you know, like they've they've kind of attacked, you know, even just early in his tenure, edge rusher, they've, they've gone for the premium spot. So I think that's a position that certainly, um, you know, Fabian Moreau did a nice job stepping in. You have some young guys who, you know, have some intrigue, some upside. But uh, I think that, that would be a position, at least in free agency, I want to throw a few bucks at that to have a solid number two corner that can play with Adori and obviously, you know, if some young guy overtakes him, it's not the end of the world. You can always, you know, what's to say? You can never have too many corners, but uh, definitely a position I think that needs to be addressed um, in free agency for sure. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Adoree and Leonard. You already gave your take on Adoree. So how do you think they handle Leonard Williams here? Uh, big cap number, but it's a guy you can't afford to let go either. Like when uh, Howard Cross and I during the games is a joke, when either, either Leonard Williams <laughs> or Dexter Lawrence were on the field, they couldn't stop the run but pretty much ever. It was a, as bad as a, it was terrible. So... 
How do you think they work that out? Is that an extension then to lower that one-year cap hit and spread it out a little bit, you think? Yeah, that one's complicated. Like I said, Adore, I think it's, I think his cap hit's around $20 million. Leonard's just 32 I mean, you're talking like a quarterback. We're talking the franchise tag for a quarterback. If you tag Daniel, you got him and Leonard taking up $64 million on your cap. Maker. That, that's a little untenable. Um, but if they're in a tough spot because he's a, he's a quality player. I mean, this year, notwithstanding, he's been a very durable, reliable player. Like, you know, plays like 80% of the snaps at defensive tackle, great guy in the locker room, works out all those great things. But it's, it's a big number. Um, so, yeah, you have to look at it. He's 28, 29, I want to say. So he's getting up there a little, little bit. But I think you can probably do a short-term extension, like maybe three-year deal. I was looking at like Grady Jarrett, sound like a three-year, $50 million deal. I want to say it was last year. They're kind of a similar player, similar stage of his career. Like if you could get something like that done, that way, again, you, you know, you're pushing the can down the road. I keep doing this here. It's not not ideal, but I think that's sort of where they are right now. Um, get that cap hit down this year. Because just keeping him at, like I said, $32 million, that's what you'd be paying your quarterback on the franchise. That's not what you want to be paying an interior defensive line, even a quality one. But no, I don't think they can cut him. And I know Leonard kind of fueled the fire of a pay cut in his post-season uh, press conference. But I think that was kind of spur of the moment. I don't, I mean, listen, we've seen how his agents have, uh, managed negotiations. They've not left too many pennies on the table, so I don't think uh, they would be doing that. Because, listen, if, if the Giants come to him for a pay cut, Leonard just says no. And, and then what do you do? You, the, the, the line always I've heard from uh, executives, if, if you go to give a guy a pay cut, you have to be prepared to cut him. And I don't think the Giants are prepared to cut him. So you're going to go and, and test the waters there to get like $4 million off your cap. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. So I think it'll. I think an extension is probably the most likely outcome there. But that's that's a night. Listen, like I said, Josh Jane's going to earn his keep this offseason. He does not have a bunch of easy decisions to make, and that's another tough one that's in front of him. Yeah, a couple more, Dan. So then what do you think generally free agency is going to look like? I go back to your answer about the wide receivers, maybe some middle-class guys. Is that what you think is yeah. going to look like on defense? It's not a star-studded free agency class. So what do you think Shane's going to do, and how do you think he's going to handle and what his priority is going to be? Yeah, and I think that's fine because I think we've found like stars that are free agencies, you know, always looks good in March. And then, you know, a year or two later, you're like, how do we pay this guy that much money? So I think <laughs> being a being a middle class, you know, bargain bin shopper, because um, listen, the, their biggest free agent acquisitions are most likely going to be internal guys. You know, I'm sure in their dream offseason, if the money works out, they're going to resign Daniel Jones, they're going to resign Saquon Barkley, they're going to resign Julian Love. So there's going to be a ton of money left over if you, if you do those moves. But yeah, I think just kind of calculated strikes to, to strengthen some weaknesses. They had some positions this year that is as much success as they had, but like barely NFL caliber, like the defensive line after Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, the linebacker, the inside linebackers in general, like cornerback two spot. Like there were positions that were really replacement level players. So I think if you can just spend some money there, not crazy money, maybe get some guys who are young and ascending, you, you get on them a little early, something like that. But uh, I don't think they're going to make some big swing for the fences and have some, you know, $20 million wide receiver contract, anything like that. I think they're going to be calculated about it. And again, I think the real spending is going to go to the guys who are already on their roster. The Giants official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV, brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. You know, Dan, it's funny. I don't think either one of us thought we'd be having these types of conversations at this point last year. I think... We all kind of figured it would be, a, frankly, a bad year, and this would be like the start of almost like a ground-up rebuilding process. And now it's kind of in this weird in-between part, right? Like, you know they're not – and Joe Shane has said this, right? We're not a player away from the Super Bowl, right. but you have a lot of good players you're going to have to spend money on relatively soon, whether it's Daniel or Saquon this year, Dexter next year, Andrew Thomas, McKinney the following year, whoever yeah. you want to talk about, right? So they're in this like in between, like we're not 
competing, but we have to spend money like we are, but we still have to add pieces. It's just a weird thing to reconcile. And I've, I've gone back. It's hard to find teams that have kind of been in the spot and figured out a way to do it. You know what I mean? No, I mean, totally. That's why it's funny. I'm saying he has such a hard off season. I think it was, if you asked me a year ago, I'm like year two for Joe Shane is going to be beautiful. He's going to like clear the deck. He's going to, you know, be in the top five draft his quarterback, you know, have a rookie quarterback contract to build around. Like it's going to be easy. And now, yeah, like the, the, the downside of having some unexpected success is you kind of have to recalibrate. You're not in you know striking range to get Will Levis or whoever they would have fallen in love with. Like they did with Josh Allen and Buffalo. It's they can't just follow that Buffalo blueprint. Well, actually, you know, it's funny in Buffalo, they kind of did, uh, have the year one success and they did blow it up certainly does not feel like that's the plan here i mean he's openly professed that you know daniel jones is, is their guy but it, it does make it different and challenging you said there's not a not a real clear blueprint of like teams that have been in this in-between um phase where you have a quarterback who you, you know you're not like he's a superstar but you, you think he's good enough to win with like how do you build from there and um yeah it's fascinating i mean like you mentioned some of those young guys i mean i think those, those are guys who I think their contracts will probably be addressed this offseason, too, because I think one thing good organizations do is they're proactive in locking down these homegrown players. So you don't have situations where, like, I, I tweeted earlier in the offseason, it blew my mind. Um, since the 2011 draft, the only guys who have gotten second contract, only draft picks have gotten second contracts here are Odell Beckham Jr., and obviously that didn't last too long, and Sterling Shepard. That's it. Like, that's amazing. Like, that's that's not that's not a trend you want to continue. It's the reason why the team obviously went through the, the low times they went through. So now you have some young guys you can't let them all get to free agency. And then, you know, some team you know, gives a Washington gives the type of offer to Landon Collins. Someone does that to Xavier McKinney next year. And all of a sudden you just lost the quality safety who had been in your program for four years. Like, I think a guy like McKinney, I try and lock him up this year, even coming off the hand, maybe get a little discount because of that. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, I, I definitely think he'll be a priority because they don't want to let him get to free agency uh, next year or get in the tag game, all that. So I think you, you take care of him and he could really be proactive. Andrew Thomas, even though they have him for next year, plus the fifth year option, I might consider going there because again, all these deals are going to be based off the you know the market. So if you let some other left tackle sign a crazy contract, well now that's going to become the baseline for Andrew Thomas or even for Dexter Lawrence. There's a lot of defensive tackles, a lot of defensive tackles in his class. You know, Quinn Williams, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, Christian Wilkins, all these guys they're going to be coming up for extensions. So you almost want to beat them to the punch in some ways, so yeah. you kind of get the best deal, and they're not you know they're negotiating off of yours rather than vice versa. So now I think. Uh, it's like, you know, I kind of keep saying it. it's a really interesting offseason for Joe Shane. And so you, to your point of this question, after I rambled there for five minutes, uh, it's not the one we would have expected. I think he probably came in with a plan. You know, he didn't pick up the 50 year option. He signed Tyrod Taylor. It's like, all right, I got my bridge quarterback. I'm going to draft the quarterback. I'm going to build around that. And it's like, whoop, you got to change on the fly when your team wins nine games and goes in the road and wins the playoff game. Um, it makes it a little tougher to go down that route. So now he's at the pivot. And, and now that's where we're at now. That's why it's hard to figure how they're going to handle everything because there isn't a clear uh, roadmap to follow, at least from the outside. You mentioned Julian Love before. Do you think he might get caught in the wash here a little bit with 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 Saquon and Daniel and the money you might have to commit to them? Or, you know, I know they love them. I know Wink loves them. He's he's the kind of represents as a guy everything they want this locker room to be. I think Julian wants to be back. Do you think they will figure out a number that'll work for both sides? Yeah, that's a tough one because yeah, like to all the points you made, I think they do love him. I think they'd love to have him back. I think he would love to be here. But this and the safety market's tricky too. And that's kind of blown up the last couple of years. And you know, you know, thing that always happens in these negotiations, all the comps. So the team is gonna say, We think you're similar to this player who signed for this. The you know, the team the player and the agent say, Well, we think we're similar to this player and he signed for that. And the safety market's kind of all over the map. If I'm Julian Love, I'm sitting there saying, 
Amani Hooker was just like me, a fourth round pick in 2019, had nowhere near the production I had. He signed a three year, 30 million extension uh, with Tennessee last year. So why would I settle for a dime less than that? We're not going to do the same. So uh, that's definitely where it gets interesting. Like, I think he's probably like a seven and a half million dollar a year player. Like, there's guys who signed for that uh, at that position. I think that's probably where he fits. But he might look at it and say, listen, I'm coming off a career year. It's my first time as a full-time starter. I really produce. If I get in the market, maybe I can get 10. Maybe I can get 12. But you, know, you might get in the market and only get five. You don't know. It's, 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 it's definitely a gamble. So if they make a legitimate strong offer, I think if I'm him, I'd probably jump on it because I think this is a good place for him. And I, and I think it's just a uh, good defense. He's been here. He's established. But uh, he is an interesting guy. Like you said, uh, that, that term caught in the wash could certainly happen because he's he's definitely not the top priority right now. I'm sure if Drew Rosenhaus is calling Joe Shane, like, uh, yeah, let me get back in like a week because I, I got, I got you know, these other numbers running through my head. But, no, I think that's something they have to be careful with because you never know. A guy hits the market. It only takes one team. His hometown team, the Chicago Bears, have a bazillion dollars in cap space. Maybe they blow him away. You just You never know. So that is something. Uh, he's a guy that I think will be interesting to monitor how his market develops because you know, he's obviously not getting tagged. So he's going to have that opportunity to test the market unless they uh, hammer something out before free agency. Two on the draft. I'm not going to ask you about players, but just Thank strategy. Um, we talked about the wide receivers. So let's start there. A lot of these guys, some people believe might be kind of slot specific. They have Wando Robinson, but he's coming off at an ACL. How much do you think they're going to think about that aspect of this in terms of fit with Wandao? Are they just going to draft the best guy and say, you know, Mike Grow, Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, figure it out? You know, how do you think that might impact the type of wide receiver they want to pick and, and when they might want to pick him, quite frankly, just based on Robinson being here and him being a priority player for them as a second round pick in the draft last year? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Like I said, thank you for asking me specifically about players. I'm, I'm nowhere near as deep into the weeds on that stuff, at least not yet, as you are. But no, wide receivers position, I've you know paid attention to a little bit more. If you're going to ask me interior line, I might be in a little trouble. But um, yeah, I think it's a consideration you have to have. Because remember last year when they drafted Wandale and they had Kadarius Tony, and it was like, oh, no, it's no problem. It'll be a fit. And obviously, you know, it never really you know, became an issue for a multitude of reasons. But um, so I think that there is some feeling that they can just fit guys in their offense. But at the same time, maybe they kind of knew Kadarius Tony wasn't going to be here too long, so they, they didn't care that much. Whereas Wandell, obviously, you know, I think they believe it's going to have a big role going forward. I mean, they used to whatever was a top 50 pick on him. He has to be part of the equation. So, I, yeah, I think if it was a slot-only guy, that'd be really tough for me to take at 25. You know, I mean, if you get in the fourth, fifth round, like whatever, that guy might be your punt returner. What, you know, he might be the Richie James replacement, let alone, like, you know, supplanting Wandell. But, but if you're talking those first two rounds, I think it has to be a consideration. I think in an ideal world, you get a six-four true, you know, X wide receiver to play outside. So I think that's what this offense needs. Um, but you know, there are a lot of those guys that seem like they're kind of hybrids. I think with this offense, with this creativity, this coaching staff, you can make it work. It might not be ideal, but I, I think that there's a there's a place where they could probably they probably still do that. Do you think they would consider a big time playmaking tight end? Kafka and Dable both come from systems where they played. 11 personnel most of the time, right? That's what they did. But to your point, you know, the wide receiver free agent class isn't very good. The wide receiver draft class, you know, isn't as good as it has been in past years with, you know, top, top, top guys, but it's an awesome tight end draft class, right? You might have three tight ends go in the first round this year. Who knows? Do you think they would consider a really good pass catching tight end and pivot to more of a 12 personnel grouping team do you think that's something they would consider? You think that's too out of character for what Dable and Kafka have done in the past? Yeah, it's a good question. It's an interesting kind of 
thought exercise at least. But yeah, I, I feel like that'd be going a little too far against the grain of what they are and what they want to be. Because even if you think of last season, obviously they did that heavy personnel early, which I think they were just trying to figure out what they could do to make it work. But when they started hitting their stride later in the year, it was 11 all personnel, 11. 11 personnel. Once Bellinger came back, it was just Bellinger and, and 11 personnel all day. And I think, you know, you got a nice value there as a fourth round pick. He was a quality guy, you can, you're kind of a two-way tight end. So you're kind of set with that role. But sure, if you can get a dynamic guy, I'm going to use Evan Ingram's name, just, you know, and hopefully Giants fans don't cringe, but like that type of a compliment, yeah, that'd be nice. I don't know that there's a guy who would fit that mold at 25. And also, I just think that tight end position, you said it's a great class. I think history has shown that you can get some value there a little later. So I think that I'd be surprised they went that route in the first round. I, I do think that premium positions, cornerback, wide receiver, if there is, you know, maybe there's an edge rusher where, hey, you can never commit those guys either. Um, I think tight end, I'd be surprised. You know, I know there's some really high, you know, highly regarded guys in this class, but I think that's probably a spot. You feel good about Bellinger. You feel you're probably going to be more of an 11 personnel team. We can just invest another mid-round pick, get another guy, and maybe he's more of a compliment to Bellinger, like I said, more of an athletic guy. And that's probably the way they go. But uh, it is definitely something interesting to consider. It's so different now for us, you know, covering a team that's picking 25th. It's been a while. Usually you can really <laughs> narrow it down to a, a finite number of positions and names. It's 25. I mean, the, the board is wide open at this uh, this juncture for sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no way to know. Uh hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A Redwood Forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Before we say goodbye, real quick, your thoughts on the rookie class on, on Neil Thibodeau and then everyone else pretty much got hurt. But your <laughs> thoughts generally on the group and and, and, and kind of where they're heading. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my answer. It's hard to say because so many of them ended up, you know, in uh, knee braces. So uh, that was disappointing. And obviously the good news is in, in some respects, a lot of them got hurt early. So, you know, Darren Beavers, Marcus McKeith, and these types of guys should be ready to go, you know, by the time camp opens. We're not sure exactly uh, on like Wandell's timeline, but uh, it's almost going to have like two rookie classes because a lot of these guys didn't get a lot of burn. Um, for the guys who did play, you know, I think I'll, I'll stick to the first rounders. We don't, you know, guys, you know, you saw some promise from like a Cordell Flott and I obviously touched on Bellinger already. Uh, I mean, I think Thibodeau showed a lot of signs of, you know, what they think he what they thought he was. And I think they still think there's a lot more there. Um, so I think, you know, they feel good about that pick. I mean, I know the sack numbers didn't knock anyone's socks off, but that's not really what happens in Wink Martindale's system. You know, they don't have a lot of 15 sack seasons. And, you know, you look back at his time in Baltimore, even with guys like Judon and Darius Smith, they just didn't have a guy like that. It's more of a system type thing. And uh, I think he played his role well. I mean, Neil's, Neil's the question mark. I mean, you, you can't sugarcoat it. He had a rough rookie year. Uh, I know a lot of people said, well, so did Andrew Thomas. That's great. Like if he follows the Andrew Thomas blueprint, like sign, you know, sign me up. Everyone will take that. But there's no guarantee that'll happen. So I think he's he's got a big offseason ahead of him. Like he needs to get better. And there's no reason to think he won't. He's obviously a physical specimen. He seems like a very thoughtful guy, hardworking. You don't, you don't hear any bad word about him. It's just that there are sometimes guys who get drafted high as as offensive tackles, and they, they don't make you know they don't develop the way you'd expect. Uh, I'm not saying that won't be the case, but that's a I think that's an underrated huge element of this offseason. It's not going to be about just player acquisition. A guy like Evan Neal needs to be a lot better. And if he is, like, look out, because then they're going to have two great bookend tackles for the next decade. That's a beautiful place to be. But, you know, it's a long road between here and there, because, I mean, I think I said his rookie year uh, definitely, you know, raised some questions about, about where he's going to end up in his career. All right, final question before your little one wakes up and decides to join the podcast. <laughs> um, your general thought, like anything else been top of mind for you? Have you been thinking about this the last three weeks? You know, when we kind of step away, 
you know, the mind tends to wander. You kind of think about things and, you know, possible paths, things that you think are, are pivotal. Anything else this offseason that we haven't talked about that you really think is important that you've been kind of trying to figure out or think about as we head towards uh, the combine and free agency? No, I mean, I'll be honest. It's really been Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley have dominated so much. Like I said, a guy like Julian Love in another year, we'd probably spend a lot more, you know, ink and, and airtime talking about him. And it's just like an afterthought. You know, whenever you have a, it's rare to have a quarterback in this situation that Daniel Jones is in, where he's, you know, set to hit unrestricted free agency, kind of what the type of season he had, the career he's had today. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, and that's why, I, you know, I think people kind of buckle up. I think these negotiations, we're going to try and, um, you know, cover them day to day, minute to minute. So there's going to be highs and lows. There's going to be numbers thrown out and everything like that. But I think at the end of the day, he's going to be here next year. So it's just a matter of what the terms are, how long term. But, you know, he's going to be the Giants quarterback opening day 2023. The path to get there is what's going to be fascinating. It's, it's going to be fun. You know, it's, and this is, I, I love the offseason. I mean, I love the games, love all that. But the business side of it and the roster building side, it's really fun to track too. So it's going to be yeah. um, really interesting to see how all that shakes out. Yeah, look, I'll just say this and I'll get your comment. We'll say goodbye. You know, we've seen a couple quarterbacks get to this situation in the last few years, Kirk Cousins being the main one. Right. Then Dak Prescott to an extent, right? He played on the tag and then he, I think he got paid right before he was going to play on the second one, if I remember right. correctly. I so. But, you know, when those guys sign their long-term deals, I think a lot of fans are like, wow. And I think it's important to warn Giant fans that when a quarterback gets to unrestricted free agency like this, the ball is kind of in their court and they do hold a lot of leverage. So, and generally speaking, guys coming off their rookie deals, especially quarterbacks, just, just don't take, you know, voluntary discounts. That's not how this world works. So I think giant fans should just prepare that. This is not going to be like an easy thing that it's like, Oh yeah, let's just do this. And Oh, it's a lot of money. It's fine. I don't need to maximize it. I think fans have to be ready that this is going to be something that, you know, it's, it's going to be pretty eye opening, and the process is, is probably going to be more complicated than people maybe thought it was going to be three or four months ago. Yeah, and I think I think that's an important thing to also kind of separate like the character and the business. Like, you know, like Daniel Jones has been a team first guy from day one in the building. And whenever this contract resolves, he's gonna be a team first guy. This isn't the time to be team first. This is the time to be Daniel Jones first. So people saying, Oh, we should take less so they can build the receivers. It's not Daniel Jones's job to manage the giant salary cap. <laughs> you know, that's Joe Shane's job. His job is to make sure that generations of Daniel Joneses are, you know, taken care of. And I know that sounds like, well, how much, you know, what's the difference between 35 and 40 million a year? There's also a factor of competitiveness. Like these guys compete in every single thing they do. You're in the locker room. They compete about ping pong. So he doesn't want to sit here and take less money than this guy. He doesn't want to take less money than that guy. He wants to be in that class. And this is the only way to really measure it. You know, it's like what your salary and what your contract is, is really how you define in terms of where you, you know, you stack up amongst your peers. But yeah, they're not in the business of taking discounts. And I will say like Daniel Jones has always kept everything close to the vest. So we don't know exactly what's going on in, in any <laughs> That is the understatement of the century, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> so especially with his contract stuff, he's never saying, well, let's be honest. He's got, he's got feelings. He's got professional pride. When that fifth-year option got declined, that sting. You're, you're pissed off about that. You're a competitor. You want to go prove them. So then he went out and feels like, listen, I had my best year. I led you guys to nine wins. Like, you, you kind of put me in a tough spot. You could have made my, my life a lot easier if I knew I had $22 million guaranteed waiting after last season. You, they didn't do that. There's no safety net. If he stunk, they would have, you know, moved along and, and you know, said, see you later. But he put them in this position. So now it's time to cash in. It's a business that works both ways. You know, I think everyone always looks at it from the team side. The team side, these players are disposable, like a snap of a finger. So you got to get yours when you can. He's in a great position leverage-wise. And listen, I know people won't, you know, probably love how everything shakes out. And they might look at the final, the final dollars and how that affects the Giants cap. Listen, Daniel Jones to an extent has to keep that in mind, I guess, 
But at the end of the day, he needs to take care of himself and then Joe Shane do his job and fill out the rest of the roster. Yeah, look, none of this is personal. You know, don't hold it against a team for letting go of a player when it's the right thing to do for them. Don't hold it against a player for trying to maximize their value. This is not personal. It's nobody's fault. It's just this negotiation. This is business. That's just kind of how it goes. And we're going to see how it plays out over the next few weeks. And make sure you follow Dan uh, on Twitter. What's your Twitter account there, Dan? I should have it in front of me, but I do not. You know, the notification setup, it's uh, ddugan 21 Make sure you go follow him on Twitter. Make sure you go subscribe to The Athletic. You guys have one of your, like, first year for $6 deals working right now or I'm, something like that? I'm sure it'll be something coming. You know, I don't want to – maybe hold around the draft. I think we usually hit it hard. So that's definitely probably if – you're, if you're holding out, maybe do it to them. But otherwise, just, just sign up now. It'll be worth it. Yeah, make sure you guys go check it out, Dan. Good stuff. It was all in the Giants Little Podcast brought to you by PSENG, energy efficiency for game time at any time. Visit PSEG.com slash Giants for discounts, rebates, and home energy assessments. For Dan Duggan, I'm John Schmel. We'll see you next time on the Giants Little Podcast. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.